Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. Hello, Cosmos Country. Welcome back to another edition of First Team Podcast. I am your host, John Freshante. It's official. The New York Cosmos have an official rival in the National Independent Soccer Association. And that club is New Amsterdam FC. And on this episode, I'm joined by New Amsterdam FC Sporting Director, Maximilian Mansfield. And we talk about the plans for the club going into their inaugural season. And the original plan, or the main plan, for the club is to start play in NISA, is to have their inaugural season post-COVID-19. And that means that, hopefully, the whole league and New Amsterdam FC will play their inaugural season in the fall of 2020 alongside the New York Cosmos city rivals. And I really think this is great for the city of New York, for soccer fans in New York City. It's great for Cosmos fans because for the first time in a very long time, we will have local rivals. In the NASL days, we never had local rivals. There was talks of Connecticut, but maybe I think they joined USL. So for the first time in the modern era, we have a city rival and the closest rival in the National Independent Soccer Association. And I think that's very important because that will bring our fans to the next level. And I think that will bring the league to the next level because you see across the world, Derby days, they're great days. They're very exciting days. They're very passionate days. And I hope to see that in the National Independent Soccer Association with the New York Cosmos and New Amsterdam FC. Explain to the listeners more about New Amsterdam FC because we saw the press release and uh, it's exciting times for a brand new club in New York City. And we do know that the New York City market is ever growing. And I think that's very exciting um, for any New York City fan regardless of if you like the Cosmos or MLS, the two MLS teams, New York Red Bulls or NYCFC. I enjoy lower division soccer, and I think a lot of fans out there that listen to the show like the authenticness that is lower division soccer. So can you explain a little bit more about yourself and how you um, came into this project, how you were a part of it? And I know you're the sporting director going forward, um, but can you just explain a little bit more about your role and um, the plans for the fall of 2020 because that was or that is the scheduled um, start time for New Amsterdam FC post-COVID-19. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, always happy to chat, you know, with like-minded people about uh, the, the growing game, especially not at the MLS level, you know, what goes on, you know, beside that. Um, so thanks for that. Uh, I came on as sporting director at the creation of New Amsterdam uh, Football Club, which was released now about a week ago. Um, the president of the club is Lawrence Gerard. Him and I kind of came up with this concept together. Um, I have been working in football or soccer in, in the States for about six years now, but more on the player management side. So I started the group called the Foosball Project. And the goal of that group, and it's we're still running it, and New Amsterdam will be a, a vital part of that. The goal of that group is to help overlooked U.S. players, both youth and men's, 
um, you know, gain opportunities to break into the professional game, um, whether that be in Europe or in America, in the USL, we, you know, we've handled, we've gotten over 60 players trials. So, so it's always been something that I've had a specialty in. Um, and now, you know, with the introduction of New Amsterdam, it just made sense for me to take on this role just because we have the access to the players um, that maybe, you know, the big clubs have passed over, but we still see a, see a high value in. Um, so that's kind of how I got involved with the project. The club was announced over a week ago. For sure, there has been things going on behind the scenes. So can you um, talk about that or as much as you can uh, say publicly on the show, uh, maybe what borough would you guys call home? I know there's reports of Fordham University, Coffee Field uh, might be a possible setup, a home field for New Amsterdam FC. And I know a lot of fans, a lot of just New York City soccer fans are very interested because new clubs, a new league that brings a lot of excitement. Of course. So on our end, we are, I can confirm, we have been in talks with Fordham. I don't think there's any point to dismiss that. That is the reality. We haven't been able to confirm it, um, partly because of COVID. That just slowed everything down. I think that's delayed everybody. We would love to play there. That's our goal. We love the surrounding Bronx community. We love the campus. We love the facilities. Um, so that's certainly our front runner. Again, not confirmed. And I, and I think our fan base will be heavily, um, I think it'll spread the boroughs because I think it'll find a different type of fan, um, maybe one that hasn't found his American team who maybe already has a European football club that you know they're, they're a fan of. I think we're going to attract that sort of fan from the Bronx, Manhattan community pretty heavily. And behind the scenes, you know, we're starting to build out our roster. We're starting to reach out to guys to discuss where you know they may fit in in our landscape preseason you know again covid has made everything extremely difficult because there's so many you know unknown variables but to the best of our ability the same way nisa has you know we can make our best educated guesses but again you know just like everybody else we are in the on the in the dark on a number of matters I don't know if you've heard of Peter Wilt, but uh, he's a soccer executive. He launched Chicago Fire, uh, Indy 11 of the NASL. But uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I guess he was asked about expansion clubs and how long it takes to put that professional product on the field because it's not just putting together that roster. It's building their front office. It's marketing, especially in New York City, um, a massive market, and you want everyone to know about it. If you're putting that six figure, that millions of dollars into that project. So um, what he was saying was it takes about maybe a year to 18 months to put together that professional setup. So um, it sort of shocked me when I saw new team, new Amsterdam FC, great that they will be playing in uh, Nisa and they will be playing against the New York Cosmos, a derby there. That's great coming from a Cosmos standpoint, but for sure there had to be things going on behind the scenes, like talking to players, and you have a lot of experience in that. Um, so I guess this has been in talks for maybe a couple of years, right? So we've kind of tossed the idea around. We've, we've uh, so Lawrence and myself, we've done a number of projects. We had an amateur team where we kind of held players and then moved them on. Then we've had an interest in a club in England. We lived in London for a bit and tried to move players on from there. Um, so we've done this similar concept of giving, you know, overlooked guys an opportunity to break in the professional game. This will obviously be the biggest project. 
And again, you know, we haven't had a year to prepare this. You know, that's full disclosure. And we thought about 2021, but, you know, call us naive, call us crazy, but we think we're fully prepared for this. And I think part of our confidence is also that we have the player pool. We have the culture, right? We already have a group of, you know, players that trains every morning in a professional environment that is just waiting for us to get them a professional opportunity. So now you can, you know, recycle some of that crop um, into a professional atmosphere and get them those opportunities. So I think to the naked eye, yeah, these guys, you know, call us unprepared, call us crazy doing this, you know, last minute. But I think, you know, we know what's coming ahead. We, we've been around the game and, and you know, have done similar projects to, to, to be prepared for this on all fronts. For a lot of fans, I think, especially me to a certain point, I see that as, and I'm probably wrong, but I see that as sort of minor league to a certain extent, right? And there probably is a group that thinks that way. So what would you say to those fans that say, you're in the biggest city in the world, right? New York City, the biggest market, the biggest sports town, and you're developing young players. I guess the goal eventually would be to sell them for a profit and reinvest that into the club. We get lost in the New York City landscape. Everybody, you know, it's such a big city, so you expect everything to be grandiose and over the top. And certainly, you know, our our, our, la- our launch was, you know, people have kind of raved about that. Um, but I think the reality in the everyday operations of New Amsterdam will be in that mindset of selling on. Of course, not every player is, but I think the goal is to create opportunity, right? Um, you know, if they can prove themselves in this league, we should move them onwards. And I just don't think our professional league is in America, you know, the MLS, I don't think it's relevant to the top leagues in Europe in terms of development. So I think, you know, if we really want to, um, you know, produce players for our national team, we have to get them over there and we have to, you know, see what they can do. And, um, that's part of our model. You can call it minor league or, or not. I think it's a bit archaic, but you know, it is what it is. And if people view it as that, then so be it. But, but our goal again is, is to give young American domestic players opportunities to get professional games. And I just don't think there's enough of that in America, minor league or major league or whatever they want to label it. Not every single club is going to be that New York Cosmos is going to be that massive club in U.S. soccer. So I think that's the massive thing is how do you compete on and off the field with the New York Cosmos? Yeah, given the New York Cosmos haven't been in a professional league for the past couple of years. So I guess at the moment, uh, you guys are both clubs are at the same level to a certain extent. But the Cosmos have the history, have the resources, has the backing. So how do you compete against the Cosmos when it comes to that Derby Day um, and try to go toe-to-toe, man-to-man against uh, the boys in green? Yeah, like you said, I think it's common knowledge that they play with kind of different numbers than us and different backing, and, and that's just being transparent and realistic. And not every club is the same. Um, so maybe certain players that they'd, you know, have access to we might not and that's just the game of football you know i'm not going to change that rule but for us it's about being creative putting faith in younger guys we look at clubs like schalke or borussia dortmund that say you know what maybe we can't get you know the best player you know at 26 or 27 but maybe we give a young guy at 17 or 18 a chance and you know maybe with the confidence of our board he he can hang with those guys. And I think, you know, the proof is every day that it's possible. 
Um, you just have to keep, you know, find the bargains, find, keep your eyes and ears open to, uh, to find those hidden gems. And I, I think we'll be more than competitive against the Cosmos and, and the rest of the league, even in the Open Cup. Um, again, you know, I don't have any grandiose plans. Of course, we'd love to, to, to win the league, but equally important is the development of the players. And I, I think with the NISA league so young, um, creating professional opportunities for all these players is probably the best thing the league is doing right now more than anything else. Do you have a coach lined up uh, for the team in the fall? We are in talks with a number of candidates. Um, We have not put pen to paper yet, but we've got a a lot of interesting candidates. I think what's important for us is aligning the values of our club, finding a coach that can operate within the means, and somebody who knows the local landscape, right? I think that's going to be really important. Like I said, you know, uh, an internationally experienced coach, which, you know, tons are going to apply is going to be a little bit tricky because yes, they know the game, but they don't know how to get X player for X amount of dollars and get us, you know, that kind of access, so to speak that, you know, somebody on the local side who does a professional experience. So that shrinks the candidate pool, but you know, we've got some pretty exciting um, talks in the works, so we should be on a good path. Nothing is official yet, but can you, not name names, but can you just say if it's a United States uh, coach or an American coach or an international coach um, that is on that short list? Our top candidate is, I'll give you this, he is half American. He has got some international flavor as well, which uh, is very New York and, and I think represents us well. Every single Tuesday, First Team Podcast will release a podcast with a special guest. Please subscribe to our email list by visiting our website, firstteampod.com, to get exclusive emails about our latest podcasts, our latest blog posts, and more information on the National Independent Soccer Association, the New York Cosmos, and the New York City soccer scene. Stay tuned and keep it locked here on First Team Podcast. Yeah, every single club, there's small clubs, there's big clubs out there. Um, but you were talking about uh, young players that uh, hopefully can make it to the next level and be sold um, onto uh, European sides. Now, all players will do that, um, but will we see a mix of uh, maybe veteran players, uh, journeyman players on the squad? I don't think we'll see too many journeymen in that, in the sense that like guys that have played, you know, bounced around USL clubs and, and are in their early 30s, um, partly because I, I, you know, those are guys that are probably looking for, for another big handout and, um, not to say that you can't find, you know, lucrative players there, but I think, um, our mix will be a lot of our guys that from Foosball Project that we've sent out to Europe that are, we're going to recall and kind of bring them back home, kind of late twenties guys in the, in their, you know, in their, their best years, so to speak in terms of football. Then I think there's some local talent in New York that we will, draw upon then the youth talent side um and then guys that will bring you know from from all corners that we kind of have scouted through our databases so you know in short to answer our question i don't think we'll have too many um you know journeymen so to speak um you know that are that are approaching the twilight of the career though we want to have you know those two or three leaders that you know provide the backbone 
and the kind of leadership roles of our uh, of our of our young squad. I really don't know how much you can uh, talk about this one topic here on player wages, um, but it's not specifically your club. It's just you, a soccer, um, because I was talking to a source, which is a player or was a player in USL in the United Soccer League, and he was saying that uh, they weren't making um, any more than 20000 uh, for their season, which is not good for a professional soccer player. Um, you have people on one hand saying that, it's minor league soccer. That's what they should deserve because they're not playing Division One. But then you come on the other hand and say, well, not every single player is going to be a Division One player in a system that doesn't have promotion and relegation. Not every club is going to be a Division One club without that $100, $200, 300000000 million um, check paid to Major League Soccer, which is sad. Um, but the first point to this question is, will new Amsterdam players be paid a fair wage, a living wage in the fall? Uh, I mean, the short answer to that is yes. And I think part of that goes um, with the creativity of the buildup of the roster. Um, To say, you know, these players aren't getting paid enough, I totally hear that argument. I, I hear it all over, and I think it's a fine line you have to cross. Right, because some players they say, "Oh, I don't want to do coaching work. I'm just a pro footballer." Right, but I think you also have to understand, you know, in America or in in, in world football, it's like, you know, do you want to run the risk of of killing the livelihood of the club? Right, the club wants to survive, and I think survival of the clubs has to be a top top priority. And sometimes, along with that, I think you know, sometimes the wages suffer. Um, so I think for us, it's going to be finding the balance between being creative, right? And that's part of the reason we may rely on local guys because, you know, rents in New York are astronomical. So if we, we don't have to house, you know, 30 players in New York City, then that would, you know, slice a lot off the wage bill. Um, so it's just about finding those loopholes. The guys that want to coach on the side to pick up because extra income because they want it, we will set that up. The guys that say they only want to live on football – you know, those are those are conversations we are very open to. We understand that no two players are alike. And, you know, again, they will live a comfortable life in, I believe, the world's most expensive city. So to a certain extent, when you look at the wages being paid from clubs in Europe and you have that six figures a week or that 50 grand a week and then you come here and I'm not saying that we should pay players that amount but when you come here and you do have a point that maybe some clubs are small clubs and they always will be small clubs and they can't justify paying that 30 players or 30 plus players if you have a reserve squad that amount of money so will new amsterdam fc have an academy because you were talking about young players hopefully having a great future ahead of them and you want to build up that new york city young infrastructure yeah just to go back to the last question again, I'm I'm an advocate of playing paying players high wages. I really am, so long as the money is there, right? If the money exists, I think you should play, pay the players high wages so that they can, you know, live live a grandiose life if if it's worth it, if the club can handle it. Because I believe to get every ounce of football, and I'm talking strictly football out of a player, they have to live a certain way. They have to recover a certain way. They have to eat a certain way. And, you know, I remember 
listening to an interview. I forget who it was. I think it was John Barahu, who used to be the captain of uh, Miami FC. Uh, he was saying when Nesta was a coach there, it's like, I need to give you a certain amount of income to live a certain life to get the football I need out of you. Anything less, I, I, I lose, you know, that top 2% of, of your football. Yeah, so um, we've looked into the academy. We're, gonna, we're looking to take one of two approaches. Um, option one would be, and we've been in, in discussions with a number of youth leagues to build out our own academy, right? Build it from the top down, start at the top ages, right? U, U19, U17, U15, and run it that way. We don't know if that's too ambitious in the first year because we want to make sure the first team and the overall health of the pro side runs smoothly. The other option is to have ties with local clubs, right? Um, everybody has their affiliations. I know NYCFC does too, but make these affiliations really strong, right? Be there for the clubs, provide the professional pathway, bring a 17-year-old kid into training every week, test him out. If he's ready, get him on a contract. Um, again, preserve his NCAA eligibility. I'm all for you know education as well. Um, and just see how he does, see how he hangs, throw him into an uncomfortable situation and give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Sometimes a 17-year-old kid can be so good because he is so naive. He doesn't really understand the pressure and just plays so freely. And you know, so we certainly want to foster the youth and, and develop them. It's just a matter of, you know, is it too ambitious to build it out in the first year? Should we wait a year? Should we create community ties? We're, we're looking at all options and um, hope to decide something soon on that front so we can, you know, proceed. No, it wouldn't be uh, pay to play. Uh, we've, we've thought of a di different models um, as far as subsidizing and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm from a European background and I, I just think the pay to play is, 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 I don't think it can be abolished because it's in our system so deeply now and it has been for years, but I think it needs to, you know, be altered significantly, you know, f for the, for the health of us soccer. Throughout the United States, it's, there's tons of youth academies that are ran as a business, right? And then they employ all these coaches and then all these players have to pay, and it's like crazy amounts of money. I've saw sometimes it's like over five grand, ten grand, and then say so if you have like four or five kids, and people justify paying that, right? So the point I'm trying to make is that don't you think we should persuade these youth academies to say run that adult team, right? It doesn't have to be professional. Run that adult team at the NPSL, UPSL level, and try to create some revenue stream that might over time allow you to grow your youth academy instead of running your youth academy as a business like what new amsterdam wants to do is run your first team hopefully that's successful and you have great revenue streams and you can be a stabilized club and then over time make the right and smart investments in other parts of your club yeah i mean i think it's tough to expect these teams to have I think on the blueprint, what you're saying is excellent. I don't know in reality how viable it is some team, you know, to set it up to create revenue. You know, that's a lot lengthy process. Um, but I do think there's ways to do it. I think if it's not completely abolished the pay-to-play, at least it's limited, or at least it's dependent on the parents' income um, or stuff like that. It could be a sliding scale because. Like you said, five grand for one family can be a you know a drop in the bucket for another family that can be you know a second job for the parents, right? So 
I, I think there needs to be some sort of transparency. I also think the biggest benefit of having a men's team in MPSL or, or a men's league is that, you know, you can put these guys to work. I would say, you know, a kid who's playing NCAA Division One college is more than capable after a little bit of training of coaching a U9, a U10, a U11 team, right? And he's at a point in his life where he's not, you know, needing to make tons of money. So, you know, like I say, think a little outside of the box, cut your overhead and, and you know, create opportunities for the kids that, you know, maybe get overlooked because they can't, you know, make it work financially. Yeah, so uh, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, the New York City soccer scene. How do you see it growing? How do you um, expect to compete in that? Uh, because each club is at their own levels, right? The New York Cosmos have their history. You guys are the new guys on the block. And then you have supposedly the big guys, right? Major League Soccer, New York Red Bulls, NYCFC. You have NYCFC that is supposed to be that big guy, but they play in a baseball stadium. Is that good enough? Is that good enough for New York City soccer and for Major League Soccer? Yeah, I I think the certainly from a, attracting fans, I think there's more than enough to go around. Again, I, I think comparing us to NYCFC is is apples to oranges, right? It's just totally different in terms of revenue, size, experience, right? I think we're going to be much more community-based. Not to say they don't do great community programs. I, I commend them for that. But, you know, our guys are going to be, uh, we're going to be a working man's club, grassroots. Hopefully a large portion of our, our roster will do coaching. We want to do open clinics, they're going to be local guys, so if I'm a fan, you know, uh, you know, and and let's say a, a new NAFC player lives on my block, it's it's again, I always foster that it's a it's a much more realistic pathway. I look at that guy, and it's like uh, he lives like a solid life. That's realistic. That's possible for me. Um, I can relate to that more. I think the fans will be able to relate to that more um, because you know they ride the same subway as them. They they live a similar life, and you know I think the working man's club of Europe has yet to really come through on American soil um, with that honest, hardworking, you know, foundation. And I, I think that's something we, we seek to kind of emulate here, you know, the typical European, you know, blue collar club. You did mention that the club will start post COVID-19 and we don't know when that will be. Uh, we hope it's in the fall or somewhere near there. Uh, but as recording today, uh, Nisa, they released an official update about what's going on. They canceled the spring portion of their season. And um, there is a task force uh, going forward to see how they will respond and come out of this on the better side of it. Um, so they did list some, uh, some ways that they can move forward. And one of them was to play behind closed doors and, um, lower division soccer, especially in the professional ranks in U S soccer, that doesn't seem like a possibility because it's all about that revenue stream with no fans in the door with no, uh, broadcast rights or TV deal. Is that a real possibility, especially for a new club going forward? Because your ownership group, your management is putting their money where their mouth is and then your inaugural season uh, is potentially going to be played in front of a closed stadium or possibly in front of a limited crowd. And I don't think that's something that we want to see, but that's the new world we're going to be living in. 
Yeah, I think it's tough um, to expect that. But but the sooner we know and the sooner we can plan on that, you can alter the contracts accordingly. Um, you know, the clubs, especially like I'd imagine, can I don't know their, their inside uh, info, but I'd imagine like the Oakland Rooks, D- Detroit City clubs like that, that rely, Chattanooga, that rely heaven, heavily on that, you know, ticket revenue. I think the sooner they know they have to, adjust accordingly and again you know the common denominator with with lower league football is thinking outside of the box right how can we attract different sponsors maybe we really have to shift our focus onto the streaming and the ad space and um you know i know they use my cujo now and how can we promote that more and i i think i i'd imagine you'd agree with me we're all itching to get uh to get football back on tv so you know, I think it's a it's a beggars can't be choosers thing. I I saw this funny thing that uh, I guess like the league in Belarus and Belarusia has uh has continued through coronavirus and like their viewership is like through the roof because everybody's like I just need something. You know, I need my fix. It's like, you know, we're football fanatics. We'll take anything. So, I think the sooner everybody accepts the reality that look, streaming is going to be the new way to watch these games then, you know, you have more time to plan accordingly and, and, and make sure you drive your revenue from, from other places. The Belarus uh, Football Federation, their league, uh, the matches are streamed live on YouTube. So I think that's very interesting. We have a listener question um, from Brian. He says, what is the long-term vision of New Amsterdam FC? So I would say, first of all, to grow, to help you know, do our part in growing the league as a whole. I'm a huge advocate of NISA. You know, I, I love the guys behind that project. Um, so I think if we all, all clubs are in it, you know, growing that league, I think it can be something huge for U.S. soccer. I think that's one part. I think for our club as a whole, we want to be, I'd love to be making deep U.S. Open Cup runs. I'd love to, uh, to, you know, educate the, New York Cosmos on what the uh, Gagan pressing is. I would love that as well. And then finally, my biggest ambition is to, you know, provide players for, for the U.S. national team, whether that's through New Amsterdam, that may sound lofty, or, you know, players that got their start at New Amsterdam and then went on to Europe and made big careers for themselves. And I think that's the overarching goal, right? We want to play our small part in helping U.S. soccer grow as a whole. Some NISA clubs, they do have local TV deals going alongside their, I guess, national and international streaming with the league on Mike Kajui. So could we possibly see a uh, local TV deal in the crowded uh, New York City market for a new Amsterdam FC? We are in talks, um, so we're certainly working on it. As I'm sure you know, it's one of those things that's easier said than done. You know, New York City local TV is... Uh, hard to come by airtime but you know even if it's like uh like being sports those those 90 and 30 recaps something like that you know has been of interest has piqued the interest of a couple programs so we're into it we're looking into it we're we're uncovering every stone and looking what the best options are but but we'll certainly find a way to 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 get our games across to our fan base in a lot of these deals, the club has to pay the production costs and pay for the airtime, and it's not like the club is um, the club is benefiting 100% financially from it. Yeah, maybe you could sell more sponsorships and get more exposure, but it's more of an outlay from a club um, to be on even local TV 
And I think the Cosmos and the NASL, they were on national TV would be in sports and CBS sports. Um, but uh, according to reports, that was because of Rocco Camiso's and Ricardo Silva's uh, media connections. So I don't know if Nisa has that uh, same connection with uh, Rocco Camiso and, and things like that. So, yeah, I just wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks, Max, for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. And uh, do you have any last words for our listeners? What would you like to um, promote uh, going into, hopefully, your inaugural season this fall? Yeah, I hope for both fans of Cosmos and, and NAFC fans that that first derby is a heated affair and provides everything that the fans have cooked up in their heads. I, I would love nothing more than that. One of your members from your club, uh, they said that hopefully it's going to be the first game of the season. You know what I mean? Because that would be great. Yeah, I think the pent-up anticipation that if we could schedule it like that, that would be wild. And hopefully we'll, we'll send those boys in green packing with a uh, with a big loss. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of First Team Podcast. I really do appreciate it. I want to give a special thanks to New Amsterdam FC Sporting Director Maximilian Mansfield, and I do wish the best of luck to the entire club, uh, but especially the management, the players, and the ownership group um, of New Amsterdam FC. I also want to um, say that I wish you guys the best of luck, but not against the New York Cosmos, of course. Um, so that's that. Please follow us on social media, First Team Pod on Twitter and on Facebook. We are on Instagram as well, so please give us a follow there, um, and we will be updating that as soon as possible. We have a brand new website, so please check that out. We have our latest episode, this episode that you're listening to right now, that will be on our uh, homepage of our website. That will be updated every single Tuesday because that's when we have our new episodes released. So every single Tuesday, we will have a special guest on First Team Podcast. It's very exciting times in this new era for the New York Cosmos, for First Team Podcast, and for New York City soccer. So join us for that ride of experiencing New York City soccer. We are New York City. We are New York Cosmos fans. But we also live in New York City, and some of our listeners live in the tri-state area. So we breathe and live and uh, understand this market the best. So please keep it locked here at First Team Podcast, and we will have more interviews, more discussions, and just more interesting topics going forward. And I hope everyone's safe. I hope everyone's doing well. And I will um, be back next week, next Tuesday, with another conversation with a special guest on First Team Podcast. So thanks for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And uh, you can join the discussion as well by emailing the show at firstteampod at gmail.com. So thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of First Team Podcast. I really do appreciate it. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos.